You are listening to Supporting Supporters, a Change to Chill podcast. This is a free mental well-being resource offered by Alina Health. My name is Tanya Freeman. I'm a licensed psychologist and regional lead psychologist with Alina Health. These podcast episodes are aimed with the goal of providing quick, tangible resources and information from Alina Health mental health providers on a range of mental health topics relevant to -to day-to-day lives of the listener. We invite you to join us in any way you please, whether you sit back and kick your feet up, or as you engage in movement, your daily commute, or as you prepare for your day. However you choose to join us, we welcome you and we honor your time. Today we are continuing our conversation on self-care fundamentals with Dr. David Nathan, who serves as a primary care psychologist for children, adolescents, adults, and families. Please join us in understanding more about self-care, getting things done, and taking care of yourself. Hi, and thanks for listening. My name is David Nathan, and I'm a licensed psychologist with Alina Health. I work primarily with boys and young men and their families on a lot of different issues they face. I feel very fortunate to be part of this project. Everyone in my family is a teacher. My parents were both teachers in St. Paul Public Schools. My twin sister today is a teacher at Johnson High School in St. Paul. It takes a special person to be a teacher and to work with students. The fact that you are listening to this podcast demonstrates how much you care about your students and your work. Thank you very much for what you do. I hope this will be useful for you. Today is going to be the second part of my self-care fundamentals discussion, how self-care works and why it's vital for all of us. Just to recap the first discussion, one of the ways I think about mental health is to think about our mental capacity. We have mental capacity just like a cell phone has its own cell phone battery. When we are at 100% or close to it, we are in good shape. When we do things we enjoy doing, we charge our battery. When we do things we don't enjoy doing, we use the capacity we have inside. Once we get down to about 50%, we start to have various symptoms. These could be internalizing symptoms like depression or anxiety, externalizing symptoms like getting into fights or destroying property, or they could be symptoms in our body like headaches or stomach aches. It's hard to predict how any one person's body and mind are going to respond to prolonged stress, but everybody responds somehow. Today, I want to discuss two different approaches to dealing with difficulties in ways that impact our ability to take care of ourselves. Both of these approaches have their advantages and disadvantages. Both of them have times when they work well and times when they don't. The first approach is what I call the John Wayne approach. When I talk about the John Wayne approach or the John Wayne method, I'm talking about the philosophy that Marion Robert Morrison, who used the stage name John Wayne, portrayed in his films, really toughing it out, not giving up, no matter how difficult things are, and pushing as hard as we can until the very end. I think this type of approach is very useful in specific situations. For example, in high-stakes, time-limited circumstances, the John Wayne approach is great. For example, if someone is studying really hard for their finals because they really want to get an A, or if it's a championship game of the season and you really want to win for yourself and for your teammates, or you have a really big project due for work, in these specific conditions, it might very well be worth pushing yourself very hard. You might get less sleep and you might spend less time relaxing. You may be really worn out and your body might be really sore and you might just want to rest. But these are very specific situations that come around rarely, and you've been working hard to get here. You want to do your absolute best during this opportunity. Worst case scenario, at least you know you gave it your all. Best case scenario, you're victorious. In these situations, the John Wade method is fantastic. It comes at a cost, though, and that cost is very energy intensive. If we do this too much, we will burn out. No one can do it all the time. I'm not an expert on John Wayne, but I understand that Mr. Morrison had significant difficulties in his life. Sometimes, away from the public eye, he was not always able to just suck it up when he had to deal with difficult issues. This isn't criticism. He's mortal like everyone else. 
The point is, the idea that we can use tough it out as an all-purpose method to get through life is an illusion. No one can do it all the time. Not even John Wayne could be John Wayne all the time. So if we have to leave that tool on the shelf, what else can we do? There's another approach. I call this the Gal Gadot approach. I suspect you probably already know who Gal Gadot is, but if you don't, she's an actor from Israel, and she's been in a bunch of movies. She's played the part of Wonder Woman several times recently. Before movies, she served two years in the Israeli military. She's also won the Miss Universe contest and is an expert in jiu-jitsu, kung fu, and kickboxing. She is tough, and she's also very funny. If you see Miss Gadot interviewed, you know that she really calls it the way she sees it. A few years ago, one of my friends posted an interview with her on social media. It was a video that seemed to take place during a press tour for one of her movies, and to the best of my memory, it went something like this. The interviewer said something about, it must be really exciting to attend all those glamorous parties and award shows, and Miss Godot said, actually, it's not a lot of fun. They almost always start really late, there's almost always amazing food to eat there, and you can't eat. There's almost always top-shelf alcohol there, and you can't drink, and there are a million people there with cameras, and you need to be on your best behavior even if someone's really rude to you, because you do not want to end up on Twitter. Also, it's usually really, really cold. The interviewer was kind of shocked, and she said, wow, that doesn't sound like fun at all. And then Miss Godot said, well, it's okay, though. Some of my friends taught me how to do this years ago. These events are almost always on Saturday night. I go to the spa with my daughters and our friends, and we spend the day getting back massages, sitting in whirlpools, getting our nails done, and getting facials. And by the time we're done, we feel like a million bucks. It makes the experience a lot easier. Sometimes you go back to the spa the next day. I enjoy that story for a lot of reasons. In the game of self-care, Miss Godot is playing to win. She knows that she's going to have to do something she doesn't enjoy. It's going to be at night. Usually we're pretty tired by the end of the day. Our battery needs to get charged. What I love about this is she's discussing the strategy she uses to help herself feel better and make it easier for her to be successful when she goes out. When she starts and goes out late, she isn't starting at 40 or 50%. She's starting at 150%. Many of the folks I talk to professionally have significant concerns about self-care, about advocating for themselves, and they tend to put the needs of others ahead of their own. Sometimes it seems like we have so much to do that there's no way we can get it all done. And sometimes there really is no way to get it all done. But we need to remember something really, really fundamental. If we burn out, nothing gets done anyway. This is really, really key. The John Wayne approach is pretty simple to understand. Just tough your way through it. The Gal Gadot approach is more complicated. We're actually doing more. So how do we do it? That's an excellent question. The approach starts with knowing yourself. Knowing yourself is the foundation of self-care. Knowing yourself means having some clear ideas about what you like to do and what you don't like to do. Knowing who you like to spend time with and who you don't like to spend time with. Knowing what you have to do and knowing what you don't have to do. Knowing what you have control over and knowing what you don't have control over. Knowing the difference between what other people want and need from you and knowing what you want and need from yourself. And finally, knowing yourself means knowing what is going on right now and knowing how you feel about it. For some people, this sounds simple and easy. For other people, this sounds overwhelming and impossible. Some people think these are silly questions. I don't think they're very silly. Every week, sometimes every day of every week, I talk to people who tell me they don't even know what they enjoy doing anymore. Nothing seems like fun. Not knowing what we like to do is a sign of burnout. Even for people who aren't at the level of burnout, it can still be very difficult to identify honest and comprehensive answers to these questions. These are questions that most people cannot answer the first time they're asked, but they're worth knowing the answers to. In a second, I'm going to repeat the questions. Either now or another time, you can write these questions down on your phone, on a post-it, in a journal, somewhere that we can get back to it. If you like, 
you can go back to where you wrote your questions down and write down responses when a good answer occurs to you. It might be helpful to write a line down the center of the page and have contrasting questions across from each other on either side of the line. Let me go over the list again. Number one, what are things I like to do and what are things I don't like to do? Number three, what are things I have to do and what are things I don't have to do? Number four, what are things I have control over and what are things I don't have control over? Number five, what are things people want and need from me and what are things I want and need for myself? Number six, what is going on right now? And how do I feel right now? These questions help us become more aware of our preferences, our mental state, our current situation, and how our mind is responding to our environment. One way to think about how our emotions and feelings work is that they are like the lights on the dashboard of a car or truck. Those lights tell us when we need to get gas, when we need to change the oil, how fast we're going, if we need to check the engine. They tell us what's going on with our car. Our emotions tell us what's going on in our environment, like if we suddenly feel uncomfortable but we aren't sure why. There's a reason for that emotion. That's our emotional experiential mind trying to keep us safe. If we feel really relieved or happy, that's our brain's way of responding when something really nice happens. Going back to the dashboard metaphor, if someone covered up their dashboard while they were driving, they could keep driving their car, but they would not know nearly as much about what's going on. They would not know when they needed to get gas or how fast they were going. Being aware of our dashboard makes things easier for us to drive safely and effectively. One way of looking at the mind is that there is an emotional, experiential side of the mind and that there's an intellectual, book-learning, somebody-told-me side of our mind. They are both essential, and we need both to be successful. The John Wayne method ignores the emotional side of the mind. It's just about outcomes. Get on the driveway and drive for five miles. Drive as fast as you can. I don't care how much gas we have or the RPMs. It's clear to see how this method is good for getting really important things done, but it's also easy to see how it could get us into trouble. By knowing how much gas we have, knowing the speed limit, and knowing if we have to put air in our tires, we are likely to get to our destination and have our cars and ourselves in good condition when we get there too. If we don't know the answers to those questions, we don't know how best to read our mental dashboard. The first question, what do I like to do and what don't I like to do, gives us a sense of the activities that help us relax and recharge and what activities take energy from us. We can use that information to think about our day and our week and make sure we have balances between the two every day and every week. In Gal Gadot's answer, she talked about what she liked to do, going to the spa with her family and friends. And we also found out what she doesn't like to do, go to stuffy parties where she has to be on her best behavior in an uncomfortable environment. She demonstrates that she knows the answer to both those questions. The second question, who do I like spending time with and who don't I like spending time with, is also important. A good friend of mine from grad school, Dr. Claire Heideke, has a great quote. Some people are just more expensive than others. It's true. Some people take a lot of time and energy. Other people make us feel like a million bucks. It's important for us to be honest with ourselves about this. The third question, what do I have to do versus what do I not have to do, really gets into our understanding of ourselves and our priorities. Knowing what's deeply important to you when things are going well makes it easier for you to get those things done when things are really demanding. The fourth question, what do we have control over versus what we don't have control over, is very important. There's a lot of stuff that we do not have control over. Other people, world events, COVID. Having an accurate sense over what we can and cannot control can help us spend our energy where we have leverage and avoid wasting our energy where we don't. 
Sometimes we wish we had control over something we can't actually change. And sometimes that wish can confuse us into spending time and energy to make that wish come true. If we know what we do and do not have control over, we're going to be a lot less frustrated in life. Next question. What do people want and need from me, and what do I want and need from myself? There are a lot of people out there who enjoy helping other people out. If you're a teacher or work in the helping professions, there's a good chance that you enjoy helping people. Helping others can be a significant source of fulfillment in life, but it also takes energy to take care of others. Ideally, adults have balanced relationships with other adults, where what we put in and what the other party puts in is equal. This is not the case for raising our own kids or even teaching kids, but that's a different podcast. If we are in unequal relationships, this is going to be a source of distress. We need to recognize if our relationships are balanced or not. We also need to recognize if there are things we cannot get from others. If we can't get a need met by someone else, we need to take care of that need ourselves. Knowing what unmet needs we have and making sure we have ways to take care of those needs ourselves is a really important part of self-care. Question 6. How do I feel right now and what's going on right now? This is critical. Our vehicle dashboard tells us how things are going. Our emotions tell us how things are going right now too. Our minds don't tell us in clear thoughts, I feel happy or I feel scared. Our emotional state tells us those things. Different people experience these things in different ways. Unfortunately, some people are not in touch with their bodies or their minds, and they don't know what those different sensations mean. Sometimes we will have unique feelings or emotions that are specific to us. Other people can't tell us what they mean. We need to pay attention to how we are doing so we know what they mean. I have a friend who was in a house fire when she was a child, and to this day, when she feels scared, she feels hot. I have another friend who was in a lot of surgeries when he was a kid, and to this day, when he feels upset, he feels cold. He told me he had been talking to his therapist about this, and his therapist had pointed out the operating rooms are often kept cold so surgeons don't sweat. As soon as he heard that, my friend felt something click. When some people are nervous, they feel like their heart is beating fast. Other people may feel lightheaded. When they feel happy, some people feel light. Other people feel safe. Mapping these things out really helps us know how we're doing in any situation. One way to get a good idea of how our mind and our body feels in any specific situation is to set an alarm on our phone one to three times per day. When the alarm goes off, jot down how you feel and what's on your mind. We can use this information to learn, over time, how our minds and bodies respond to different situations and what those responses feel like. Today we discussed some different methods to accomplish goals in our life and ways to take care of ourselves when things are demanding and when things are more relaxed. If and when we can do these things, we are in a much better position to take care of ourselves before, during, and after we experience stressful situations. There are a lot of different ways to do things. Sometimes we need the John Wayne approach. Other times we need the Gal Gadot approach. Knowing when and how to use each of them helps us be more effective, healthy, successful, and fulfilled in our lives. Thanks very much for listening, and thank you for doing what you do. Take care. On behalf of Alina Health and Change to Chill, we thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We do hope you enjoyed this episode, and we hope that you join us in other episodes covering even more interesting topics with mental health providers. As always, you can find the show notes and any accompanying research and tools at the Change to Chill website at www.changetochill.org. In health and in wellness, take care and see you next time.